Hello and welcome to the Movie Bunker podcast. I'm Chris. I'm Matt. This is a movie review podcast with a bit of a twist, as we're not interested in reviewing the latest and greatest movies out there at the moment. We want the turkeys. Well, we are interested in reviewing the greatest <laughs> and greatest movies out there, just that no one would want to listen to us doing that. No. And so we've found ourselves a niche. <laughs> yes, exactly. Um, Surfing the bottom of the internet. <laughs> there's not a great deal of focus on turgid stuff. So we're delving deep into Netflix and streaming or whatever we can find to give you an insight into some of these critically panned films, I think, is the is the word. Actually, interestingly enough, with our first film, it's not critically panned because it's basically invisible on the internet. <laughs> I know when we first... I, mean, we've, I found this film and we decided to, to be the subject and I thought, this would be brilliant. We've got to surf the comment streams and yes. basically let the internet do our work for us. But no one spoke about this film. <laughs> there's, a real, there's a real reason for that. Um, it's invisible, yeah, online. And we're thinking, yes, the concept would be great to read some reviews from just people that have spent their money either, you know, buying it online or going to going to the cinema to see it. Our first foray into this podcasting malarkey is, is a real doozy. Uh, as I say, I'd never heard of it. Um, I don't know how you found it. I um, I don't know, actually. <laughs> I was trying to find, like, um, if there's a way of reversing, you know, the Rotten Tomatoes score to find from the bottom of that. And then I just started looking through the recommended to you <laughs> section of Netflix and realised I probably watched an awful lot of shit films because yes. um, yeah, yeah, yeah. it was suggesting it. And then, I, yeah, I just was browsing randomly sci-fi movies and it's the cover that took my, my, my eye. Should we let the cat out of the bag? I mean, what what's the film? It's The Alienator. In deepest space, the law can be as deadly... Ready for your big day, scum? As the lawless. All clear. This is the toilet of the interplanetary penal system. Our job is just to flush it. Here, all hell is breaking loose. And one prisoner is breaking out. I want that prisoner dead at any cost. Now, on a primitive planet, a war begins between a new kind of criminal... And a new kind of cop. I don't care if it blows the whole planet apart. Incinerate him. I want him ashes. Brace yourself. Alienator is coming. Released in 1990, director is Fred Olin Gray. Did you look at his back catalogue? Yeah. Strange. Yes. (laughs) A a very specific mix of bikini uh -uh film (laughs) and throwaway Christmas trash. (laughs) Yeah, he's the go-to man for um, TV Christmas films. There's about, I don't know, ten, there might be eight or ten different types of uh, Christmassy-themed films on his... Yeah, and then also eight or ten uh, bikini-based films. Yes, and then there's a few... There's a couple of sci-fis. This is the main, the main sci-fi. Yeah, this is clearly is is anything. Well, I mean, obviously, thought this is it. You know, this is my thing. But, Can't do better than this. No, and then obviously the Christmas thing came along, and he ran with that. But um, I'm waiting for him to do Bikini Christmas. <laughs> that's a good combination. He's got it in. The, he's got it in the bag. There's little bits of his um, bikini fetish as well in this film because of the costumes and some of the yeah ensembles of what the, the characters are wearing and the lead character or the alienator herself, which is this. It's difficult to explain. We'll put some screenshots of the uh, some of the main characters on on our social media and stuff so you can see for yourselves and you know witness the woman of death. <laughs> 
she's like her how would you describe her tina turner on steroids or something like that from the mad max era type thing yeah she's got the the tina turner hair and high gusset so the the premise of the film then so we have a, we have issues with the title of the film because they've obviously done that thing, and I don't know if this was a thing in 1990. I don't know if this was a forerunner of the uh, the mashup Atlantic Rim kind of, yeah, yeah <laughs> you know, yeah. Uh, oh, the trying to fool someone on the happen chance that they're going to um, accidentally pick up this film in the DVD shop rather than the actual Alien or Terminator. Well, that's right. I mean, I can't imagine this film being for sale but yeah but i know what you mean uh alienator is obviously a, a spin on terminator and an alien, alien. <laughs> but yeah i mean the title's strange this is another thing as well you got this fantastic this, story you get an opening crawl which is again normal for science fiction of this era i mean nowadays you, you only really get an opening crawl for like star wars or any sort of big stuff right yeah. so to have an opening crawl for something like this isn't unusual, but the, the story in the crawl is... I want to watch this film. Yeah, <laughs> is, is, uh, marginally sounds better. Yeah, Matt, Ma, tell us... I'm going to use my trailer man voice. Go on then. I'm going to read it out of my trailer man voice. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> in a far-off corner of the galaxy, <laughs> a well-armed rebel battalion ambushes the armies of the great tyrant Bow. A massacre ensues. Thousands of innocents perish. I don't mean the innocents are knocking about. And the leader of the rebellion, Cole, is captured and sentenced to die. Not death. <laughs> to die. <laughs> Today, on a dark prison planet where no man has ever escaped, the commanding executioner prepares to send his prisoner straight to hell. Yeah. So they're a religious bunch. We, we instantly see Cole in his prison, trying to pick it up with his fingers. <laughs> <laughs> First thing I saw was here's Airwolf Man. Airwolf Man. I mean, this is one of the reasons why I wanted to watch this film because um, Airwolf was important in my childhood. If you're an eighties kid, Airwolf was, was a great series. Jean Michael Vincent. Not that I've seen him anything else apart from Airwolf and now this, but he's clearly pissed. But Carl here, <laughs> he, he's the he's the baddie. <laughs> Very Richard Adler. Carl here. Carl here. Carl here. In his prison cell. <laughs> Um, I think he maybe says four things in the whole entire film. This is my favourite character. Okay. <laughs> yes, the female character. They've obviously gone, hey, oh crap, this, this isn't sexy enough. No. What can we do? Well, and- i got scissors. <laughs> but everyone else is fully clothed. She's literally the only one wearing... I mean, everyone else is in boiler suits. Yeah, yeah. Clearly dressed for work. Yeah. She's pitched up. When, which could only be described as a jumper with a tits missing. That's it, yeah. Yeah, it's some sort of strange uh, Vivian Westwood uh, type affair. So the, the plot so far that we've gathered is that Cole is on a prison planet and he's about to die. Jean-Michel Vincent is unhappy that there's someone inspecting his facility. Well, basically, he's against the death penalty, essentially, isn't he? Yeah, right? so, yeah he's yeah. a pacifist. Yes. And Jean-Michel Vincent is clearly not. No, well, he's drunk. <laughs> he could be drunk and pacifist. Well, how many days this took to film? <laughs> I think it's probably shot in an afternoon, to be honest. In terms of um, plot and storyline... We well, there's nothing to go on other than the fact that there is Carl is a is a bad guy. He's the leader of the rebellion. He's on he's on a, a the prison planet and he's going to be executed. You're, um, you're forced to make up a lot of this yourself while you yeah, watch you, this film. Well, yeah, I mean, you've got the opening crawl, which is interesting enough. But, they, but yeah, you're straight into this bizarre situation. And what I wanted to say is earlier on is that it's 1990. Okay, it doesn't feel like a 1990s film to me. 
in terms of the look and the, sh- the sh- how it's shot and everything, it feels like it should be early. What else going on in eighty four, or even earlier, like even like nineteen eighty. Already, we've had aliens. We've had three Star Wars films. Total Recall. Yeah, and you get this, and it's. I think it's it's unacceptable. I mean, I, I mean, the, he. How how it, how a film like this got financed in 1990? What was the plan? I'd love to know. What was the finance? That's what I want to know. But I think that really is emphasised in the first action scene, where um, Carl has made his escape. Then he runs through the industrial complex, which I don't know. I've not been to many prison planets, <laughs> but no. I'd imagine there'd be I don't know more prisony. So if you notice, every time someone gets shot, they happen to be perched precariously upon a barrier yeah. <laughs> and then to launch themselves off. So, fast forward. In a very modern way, though, the, the credits come in at 13 minutes 54. Yeah, so it's kind of, yeah, you get like the, pre, the prelude. The prelude. Then apparently some of these exterior shots were actually stolen from another film. The collar. Okay, yeah. <laughs> so Cole has a prison collar on, a bit like Total Recall, um, I would guess. A running running man, man. Sorry, Running Man, where... It's a prohibitor of some sorts, so he he can't breathe or, or let alone talk for the rest of the film. So the That's main it. he's out. The main villain, the, the you know one of the main characters in the whole movie now does is now sort of just reduced to limping and and croaking his way through the rest of the film, um, which is just bizarre. And and they're using a lot of model airfix as well here for the ships and things. Yeah, they were the, like you say, it's 1990. Star Wars 20 years before this film and it, we have what clearly looks like a child's toy with a bolt stuck on the back of it yeah. coursing through space. Yeah. And look, they didn't even actually turn it. They just moved the lights to make yeah, it look like yeah, it was pitching. Yeah. So he sees Earth. Really he thinks nice. to himself, I can make my escape. Didn't take him long to get there. I mean, I think where where are they in terms of the galaxy? Yeah, cuz clearly Earth is 1990. <laughs> Well, if I mean, if this is a prison planet, it's no further away than the moon, essentially. I mean, how fast is it going in that little thing? It seems slow. Yeah, yeah. there was no light speed. <laughs> there was no streaking of stars. No, and then we get to Earth. We get and, to Earth, and now we're now now we're now we're into a, a van full of what can only be described as thirty-year-old <laughs> high school students. <laughs> Damn! Rick hit someone. Oh, great driving, Mario. Damn. This is my other problem with this film, is that throughout the whole entire film, there isn't a single likeable person. What is the collar doing to him? Because it seems inconsistently painful and yet livable with, literally on death's door at some points and then other points fine. The idea was that if the prisoners would be fitted with some sort of inhibitor so that they could control them or at least... You know, make them die when they leave the boundaries. Don't make them just slightly uncomfortable... He looks yeah, like he needs yeah. a, a decent antacid tablet, and he'd be all right. <laughs> He's got yellow blood as well as his white. Yeah. Oh, was it yellow? Yeah, yeah, yeah. So they, the, I, I missed that particular special they, effect. They, they mention <laughs> they mention it later on that he's le- he's got yellow blood. So we have now crashed into a motorhome with uh, four stereotypical children of thirty five years old, and now we pen ourselves through to the next stereotypes, and we have the the comedy value of um, these hunting brothers. Yeah, so you get like a other chuckle brother type situation going on here, where there's an older. Well, I don't know who's the eldest or not, but they they to me, yeah, two <laughs> two hicks basically. So the comedy the value, it, they've they've clearly trapped a rabbit for yeah. food purposes because they're 
They're starving, but then the the <laughs> the, the, the um, game warden tells them that they're they're, they're, they're shipping in the wrong place. They're, you know, they, they they can't. They're not no. allowed to hunt here. No, absolutely. This is a haven for steam and animals. <laughs> Look, I know you fellas got to eat, but stealing my traps and these animals is against the law, state law, and my law. One of them's got a sack, well, which it, he carries throughout the whole entire film. Well, for cans. I mean, he collects cans. He does collect cans. Yeah. And he found a couple he found in the it, woods. But he was told to put them back by his older brother, who thinks it's a waste of time. They're looking for rabbits and, and stuff. I don't think they hicked him up enough. No. I mean, he's just walking around, like, you know, in a shirt and a good corduroy jacket. I mean, yeah. they should have really floppy hat, dungarees. Gorsh! His brother's a bit like that, but he's, he's, but still not not enough. No, no, there's not enough hickiness about them. They didn't go full hick. Plot spoiler: they don't last long. These two hicks, but they it's like comic relief for like the third. We're not even a third into the film yet. But it's comic relief without any comedy value. In, no, no, that I, they no. don't. I mean, they should be hilarious. No, but in, they're bumbling along and they're just arguing with each other in some sort of in some sort of chuckle brother type way. This is a very advanced being. He probably sucks electricity up like a sponge. Right, so Cole is now is in the Winnebago with the kids struggling to breathe, and then the guys they come across the uh, the cabin. So it becomes then it becomes some sort of home invasion situation going on because of the the the, um, the dry ice, I reckon, <laughs> and the fact that they're in a uh, in a in a log cabin. That's about it. But the director, I think, is trying to pull a lot of uh, genres together somehow uh, to make something that people would, would want to stick with or watch. Uh, this uh, and so far we d- uh, we haven't yet met the alienator, but we know we're twenty seven minutes into the film. Would mm. you had you not had to? <laughs> yeah, carried on. <laughs> no, absolutely not. <laughs> Nothing. Well, no, some, unless I was pissed. This um, is the thing. I mean, I think that some of these films are aimed at the drunk market. Yeah, like the, yeah. Sometimes, sometimes films are better when you're drunk. Now we get drunk doctor. So then there we have. Yeah, the, the, we have. So we've had the comic relief, we've got the hero type, two hero types, we've got the the school kid innocent cannon fodder. Now, yeah, Ward has now phoned the doctor, who's got a drinking problem. He's an interesting character. Why is he drunk and still on call? I I like this doctor's um, commitment to drinking. So he's at home or his office, I don't know where he's meant to be. So he gets the phone call to say, come and help this badly injured guy. Does he go? Well, I probably should knock the vocal on the head for now. Just pulls himself another one. Well, there's there's a deeper story going on here, Matthew, because the doctor's sat by the phone drinking, still in his work gear. I mean, obviously, he's on call. I don't so think his home life is what it used to no, be. No, no, but there's there's a deeper story going on here, and I want to know a little bit more about why why is he an alcoholic? Is he waiting for his, the call from his loved ones or something? Is there something else that's happened? Is there, we never know. But it's a character again that's brought in. For real, no no benefit of the film, uh, other than... And, and he seems to have some acting chops. I liked the Doctor. Yeah. I, I thought the Doctor was going to go somewhere. I, I wanted the Doctor to sort of maybe have some sort of... Because he drank the vodka, have an immune and, and immunity to the space slugs or something. I don't know. Now we, we establish that the guys at the prison planet know where he is. Are they tracking him via this collar? So this uh, is where the decision is made to send... The, well, um, I, I don't. I don't remember the decision being made. I don't remember anyone going. Send in the well, alienator. The, the alienator is sent down to Earth, and she's got her own ship. 
the doctor's her first victim. Yeah, so she's trudging through the, the forest or the woodland, and then the doctor's arrived on site now, probably quite far away from the actual. Uh, now, again, this is kind of a, the, the the inconsistency. So she seems to have some sort of ability to stop cars. Yes, so she's a, she managed to stop the car with a, with the power of <laughs> what of hair. So he's he's like the doctor's. She's just turns up. The doctor's like, hey, I'm just a doctor. And then he drops his bag, puts his hands up, bam. We should describe for the listeners that the alienator has a device. Well, she has a gun, which is kind of like it could explain. It, it looks a bit like a electric toothbrush without the without the bristles on the end. But then he he bursts into flames after being shot. And that's the, another inconsistency we see <laughs> later on. He's incinerated. Well, no, he's set on fire. This is the doctor's. He's he's met quite an undesirable end. Just in the wrong place at the wrong time. And he had well, nothing to do a, with her. He's clearly just a burning manic in there. Yeah. But then, I mean, I've seen more realistic guys on the 5th of November than that yeah. burning man. It moves on in a very predictable manner. I, I love the fact that the, the comedy duo, they come through the woods, they, they see the Doctor's shitty car, yeah, and they're like, woo we're rich, boys! There's a really obvious dead burning corpse. They, he literally has to walk past it. I think the the more intelligent brother, he works out that it is the dead doctor by poking him with his gun, and then oh, wow. the, and then they move on. So they become victims. I'm not gonna I'm gonna go straight for that. They become victims. Alienate comes back. She does a lot of standing in standing silhouette. In, yeah, with it. Yeah, uh, and in the dry ice, <laughs> with it holding aloft the toothbrush. He's got just such a magnificent physique, and there's a reason for that. That the actress who plays the the woman of death is. Tegan Clive. Tegan Clive. Who was uh, is a bodybuilder. In terms of her biography, if you don't mind, I have some <laughs> statistics. She writes for Iron Man magazine and Muscle and Fitness magazine. And she's written screenplays. And she's produced television series uh, Conan the Adventurer. But she's um, a massive woman, isn't she? She's, she's sizeable, yeah. Yeah, she's like Amazonian. I mean, you wouldn't want to re- meet her in an artificially steamy environment. Oh, I wouldn't. We did allude to this earlier, but the the costume. I mean, I think we're in uh, forty five minutes since she finally walks into the light, so we can get the full proper look, full whack of it. So, um, as is the way with most fantasy women of destructive fame, <laughs> armor seems to be solely constrained around the nipple area. Yeah. <laughs> if anything, it looks like it would cause you pain because it's it's high cut we have to say it's high cut on the leg <laughs> no there's a lot of buttock and, and Gus I mean you, you need to make yourself beach ready for this outfit <laughs> the thing is it's her really eye, hairless you're her, right <laughs> exactly but her eyes are concealed or the, her forehead but there doesn't seem any real reason for that it's it's strange <clears throat> I, have, I have to say and I, I'm sorry Tegan before researching who these these people were I did kind of think it was a man. There, there, there's a jaw on. That yeah, woman. yeah. No, no, I mean, she's, she is. There is a sort of a transvestite quality to her. <laughs> <laughs> I've, I've never, never thought I'd hear myself saying that. <laughs> sort but of transvestite quality to her. To her. <laughs> um, yeah, no, this is it's ridiculous. So uh, we find out that she's bulletproof, kind of, mostly bulletproof. Yeah, because I reckon she's an android. I think I think she is part robot, part part humanoid I mean, type thing. Yeah, let's not uh, dissuade the fact that you know Ghost in the Shell was out around about the same time that she went around completely naked. So yeah, 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 yeah. 
there is precedence here for the lack of armor needed for the android woman. Um, we should maybe be thankful for for the nipple armor. Yeah, well, there's a delicate part that of, of a man or a female's body, <laughs> um, even if you're an android. Yeah, exactly. We're at night time. This is where it's still sort of going in on this home invasion things because the uh, the the alienator has come to find Carl, who's holed up in this cabin, and there's a big shootout situation with uh, the sheriff or ranger. And now they've fled the. This cabin. this this scene confused me actually because the alienator. We see later on she has like a scanning facility. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So she enters the house where they've just vacated. Her, her scans seem to register the fact that there are still people in the house because she is in there randomly shooting for a yeah, good 10, yeah. 15 minutes. Yeah. Whilst Cole adjusts his collar um, outside. So, yes, there's no reason. Again, it's it's kind of like a mashup of ideas and, and no nothing really making sense or having any fluidity. I know. I want to. I want to. I want to dive into this. So the scene that we're looking at here: the Chuckle Brothers have come across the cabin of the warden. They haven't seen what's really transpired up to this point, apart from the horribly burnt corpse of someone that they probably know and the doctor respect. The good doctor. The good doctor. They can see the cabin. Uh, the, the slightly dumber one of the two has decided to climb partially a small tree yeah. uh, to get a better look whilst leaving his gun below. So you can clearly see from down here. Yeah, there's no there's no vantage point. It's just a the director's way of framing the shot slightly differently. So he, I just think you thought the camera's here. Fuck that tree's in the way. <laughs> yeah, Mate, get up yeah, the tree. Yeah, yeah. And also he's clearly up, going up steps there. There's clearly a step ladder behind the tree, and there was no reason for him to be in the tree at any point. I, I, I don't think it's very much longer before they die, is it? No. Well, they oh, yeah, they get caught on a trap. And I watched this film really late at night, and I think I I had stayed up quite late. It was about probably about eleven o'clock by the time I physically put it on. I think we you're alienating our young audience there by declaring eleven o'clock to be quite late. <laughs> oh, okay, yeah, well, late for me. Late for me. Um, and so I was tired. I was very tired watching it, and it kind of washed over me in a way. But I just felt nothing makes sense in the fact that there's no consistency. Like you know, people are being burnt alive, people are being incinerated. There's a bear traps and things being used. One of the hick guys gets uh, caught in the trap, and it doesn't seem to make any difference to him. And these traps no. can actually snap your leg off. Yeah, they're, they're uh, for bears. Yeah, exactly. The alienated character is. It's, a fair, it's such a um, fantasy wet dream in a sense. You'd see it on like um, a cover for some sort of dodgy fantasy novel, wouldn't or you? Or right? early yeah. 80s rock. We, we are, you know, I don't want to reiterate the fact. It's just 1990. <laughs> you know, we've had um, some pretty impressive sci-fi. She gets shot in the boob there. I mean, what in the hell is going on around here, Ward? Look, there's no time to talk about that right now. All you got to worry about is getting your butts back to your place and getting yourself barricaded in. Barricaded? From what? Look, you just listen to what I'm telling you, you're going to be all right. Whatever in the hell that is out there is not after you boys. Well, look, I don't like running away from something that I don't even know what it was. I mean, Doc Burnside's laying back there like a smoked ham, but I don't care. I ain't afraid of it. I ain't afraid Riley, at all. Look! Let's get the hell out of here. The shit has hit the fan. Let's roll. You see, that boob armor paid off yeah. right there. Just to explain what's going on, I mean, they're all out of the, out of the cabin now running, running amok in the woods and the alienators following them, trying to trap them down. She's getting a bit of a shootout now with the warden guy who's got a shotgun and she's got a massive toothbrush, tooth, toothbrush laser. 
which misfires. I mean, she's clearly doing the the shooty action. But again, arm. this is this is the inconsistencies again. So when she hits the ground, there's a massive explosion. When she hits the incredibly flimsy shed that he yeah, stood yeah. behind. It just kind of pings. And she was able to disintegrate the doorway to the cabin as well earlier on. Like a, yeah, like surgical. Yeah, so it disappeared. So, what I mean, what can or can't she do? Maybe there's limited powers in the toothbrush. Or, but there's also, sometimes the firing noise happens and the firing action happens, yeah, but no the, laser. The, the, the special effects people just nodded off at that point. <laughs> but she's got a very stern look. She's serious. She's but a also, serious like, woman. he's in the same place she's looking and firing in random directions this isn't a surgical weapon of destruction here she's a scattergun Ward's had to wait here listen I said we're going your lover boy is burnt toast by now we've got to stick together here alright the fate of the entire world might depend on our keeping our heads what are you nuts I don't want to stay here either I'm waiting for Ward oh so that's the way it is huh Yes, that's the way it is. And while I'm waiting, I'm going to add a little insurance to the landscape. Primitive punchy sticks may slow it down. So, um, I want to fast forward now to to this to this scene. So there is a fantastic scene. So I did make a note of the first time I watched it. The alienator. Now um, we 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 we've been set up. So we got the rebellion leader who is being helped by Earthlings. The alienator, the evil bastard alienator. <laughs> Is uh, chasing them down, shooting and incinerating doctors, um, and that's about and, it. And Chuckle Brothers, and seemingly impervious to all sorts of ailments and stuff. And then she's got somehow she's she's impervious to bullets, yeah. but she's got a stick in her foot. <laughs> yeah, I mean they've sat they they've set a trap for her. They had time to set traps for her, so that yeah. they put the, they put these sticks in a hole. And on the off chance that she might put foot... I'm just trying to put myself in this situation, right? So here I am. (laughs) I've rescued a spaceman. I've gone to a glorified zookeeper for help. We've tried shooting the creature that's then fed us with no... Do I... Do I... Dig a tiny hole and put Dig. some sharp sticks in it. Yes, you, you do whatever I run you can. Screaming Matthew. for my life. <laughs> you do whatever you can to slow her down, and I think that's the, the intention there is to slow her down enough for them to get to the next part of the film. What was the other trap? They, was the, didn't they there, there was a bear trap as well. The bear trap. This is this, is this is this is yeah. So okay, the, so while she's pulling a, a sharp t- stick out of her foot, but for some reason she didn't leave a boot. What on. they should have they should have basically then gone. I know. Sticks are the way to beat this woman. <laughs> well, yeah, just impale her. This scene that follows is quite tender. So, yeah, so w- w- we've been we've been <laughs> coaxed and well, we're led to believe that yes, she is a. She's we've been a, duped. I yeah, feel. Yeah, Alienator is is nothing but a, a human cyborg type machine killing machine. Dee, 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 dee. But she comes across a deer, and then in that kind of and then uh, she uses four fonts to work out. <laughs> yeah, so there's like a heads-up display. It's very like another, uh, you know, nod to um, a lot of the, the science fiction. They didn't even change it. its color, though. They just no. So you see, you seeing in her eyes, and she find there's a deer. Deer's non-hostile, essentially, which obviously that, that's true. Um, <laughs> and so I don't know. There could be asshole deer. <laughs> <out there. laughs> well, this one isn't. And then they have a. So there's a lovely. But she's she's managed to work out this is not an asshole deer. Yeah, and, and she gave it get a bit of a cuddle. Yeah, and so you think, oh, hang on. Hang on. I've changed my opinion of the alienator. There's depth here. She's not alienating the deer. Still waters run deep. 
<laughs> but anyway, she's, I mean, she's gone through a lot. She, I mean, she, she's, she's gone through she's, a lot. She's going through a lot. She's basically a Renault Clio with a gun arm. <laughs> what do you mean she's gone through a lot? <laughs> and yeah, with the twig in the foot. Well, yeah, but Carl's not playing ball. I mean, he's just disappearing into the woods and running away with these. Uh, I don't know. They're like Scooby Doo rejects, aren't they? There's just they are. They are. They're very atypical. They knock up uh, an old geezer, and he's an old general type chap who lives. Again, in a cabin, who's armed up? He's an old veteran. He's been waiting for veteran. This day. Yeah, and he's he, he's a no no shit kind of guy. He's got a gun rack. He's got an AK forty seven. Is what yeah. the fuck he's got there? And he does a very very impressive thing, doesn't he? He shoots the uh, the collar off Cole, doesn't he? Oh yes. See now, I did say earlier that there wasn't a single likable character in the film. Yeah, and I, I, I may have gone too far because if anyone's likable, it's this motherfucker, right? Yeah, here. yeah. So the old general guy—I wouldn't call him old general guy because he's probably—I don't know what his name is—but he's uh, he's kitting everyone out up now with uh, with Glocks and and machine guns and rifles and what have you. So yeah, so they've met the guy. The guy sh- shot Cal's collar off, providing instant relief. No, Colonel, don't. Uh, Cal's so happy that he smiles and nods. I mean, but the thing is, Matthew, how confident was he in his age? And he's an old guy, this this uh, general guy. I think he missed. <laughs> well, I mean, how how confident was he been just to say, yeah, one, no, didn't he name, he just pop and the collar. I think collar he was going to shoot him. And then he shot his collar for him. Oh, fuck it, that'll do, I suppose. Yeah, Anything okay, to stop the enough. bleating noise. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I don't think he would have cared either way. So now we're back in like, the home invasion situation. So they've moved from one uh, log cabin to another. So they're just sitting and waiting now. Uh, and and they have another random idea to start laying traps. And so old general guy has a mine, a landmine. So, yeah, yeah, yeah. And so on the off chance, again, like the spiky sticks, that the alienator might pass over but- it. She's she's impervious to explosions, massive explosions. No, they just I mean, need to do more sticks. More right? sticks was the way to go. Shallow holes with sticks. Shallow holes with sticks, and she'd have been done over. So the this... next thing that confuses me, and it confuses me quite a lot, is that we go back into space again to see. Yeah, I'm going to call him how... drunk we... Michael Vincent. <laughs> yeah, we need to know how the audit's going on, don't we? Yeah, the audit that doesn't <clears> stop. <throat> no, space. Space battles and escape prisoners don't stop an audit. This is the key point that happens in several parts of the film. Is like what isn't shown and seen is strikes me as being massively more interesting than what is. They come back to them and they start talking about a game they're playing. Yes, and yes, they, yes. he said, "What's that game?" Like so before they'd cut away, it's like, "What's that game?" He says, "It's a game of strength and skill, yeah, yeah or something yeah. of the kin." And they come back and like, they're like, "Oh, sorry to interrupt your game," and it's like, "It's all right." He's won but this it... time. But what game were they playing? Exactly. And it looked like some just weird Rubik'sy type sort of thing you would have on your desktop, wouldn't yeah. you, at work? Like Perspex. Little... Yeah. <laughs> Again, right. Sorry. <laughs> Chris, the... Chris is overcome with emotion about, about how bad this film is. I, it just makes you a little bit cross because it shouldn't be happening. They don't know where the alienator is, excuse me, but they're just assuming that she's following the collar, which was on coal. So they decide, this is the old general guy and and the park ranger chap, they they attach the collar to a a branch and and they've planted the the mine. And within minutes, she's on site. I'd like to... It's good that the, uh, the, the shot didn't affect the tracking abilities of the collar. Yeah, and they just assume... 
And so we have another shootout situation. She can't with shoot for shit. <laughs> with inconsistent right? Regardless, shots. she's got all these cyborg, we assume she's got cyborg Im- implants. So she, she can detect whether someone is threatening or non-threatening. With, she... with, in four fonts. Yeah, exactly. But there's no guiding bloody, you know, hair sight computer thing to tell her where to shoot the bloody sight. <laughs> The, the toothbrush thing she has. First rule, never surrender your weapons. Second rule, blow the hell out of your enemy before they can do it to you. So now everyone's back in the thing and they're going to have an old-style Western shootout and they're, they're hiding behind some chicken wire. Um, this is what I love is the, the chicken wire. The theory, they, they suddenly come across this theory that she's drawing her power from like the magnetic forces of the Earth. And if they can put up some sort of Faraday cage around her... She starts shouting abuse at them whilst they're in the uh, the cabin in this kind of shootout situation. Bring it, me Carl, I think. Bring me Carl and you'll all live. It's a standoff situation. But why don't they just give Carl up? Because I mean, he's a dick. Yeah, exactly. They don't, they've got no affiliation to this guy. They just met him. But there's a bit <laughs> coming up which is confusing. Um, he, Carl is trying to persuade or get on board or have an allegiance with the one of the hot-headed of the Scooby-Doo gang. Who's, um, yeah, bit, he's offered him riches yeah, and yeah, power. Yeah, 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 because they wanted to get him out of there. And, and, and I think this is the, the first kind of allusion to maybe Carl's not everything that he appears to be. Well, yeah, she's we, playing we, quite this obvious manipulation. Well, that as it goes back to what you were saying earlier on, that Carl, when we saw him in prison, who they've chosen and how they've made him up, and it doesn't matter who the actor is, but they, he looks villainous. And so you, you don't know who are who is the villain, who's the good guy in this film? There is no good if they had done Jean Michael Vincent, drunk or not, as yeah, the yeah. leader of the rebellion, you know, you'd have it been like sense. you'd have been behind him. Yeah, you would, and you need to you know make him a likable character and give him some dialogue or something. But it, it actually feels like. Yeah, they were doing the right thing by getting this guy out of the picture. Stay put. Now I'm pissed. So, yeah, the, the girls escaped. One of the girls who's up till now done not a great deal apart from cry has, has found a crossbow and shot. Maybe she worked out the stick thing. Yes. We shot the N8 in the back of the head, which, which is a great shot, actually. She's the best shot in, in the entire movie. But unfortunately... You've got an uh, old dude that shot the collar off. Oh, yes. And then he shot yeah. the mine from... Okay, fine. Okay. Second best shot. Pretty good. If she's never fired a crossbow in her life, though, Matthew. No, And she's managed true. to hit she's her just, in the dark with all the dry she's eyes. She's like Katniss. Back of the head. <laughs> yeah, exactly. The thing is, right, the sticks went through her boot and into her foot, right? Yeah. And the, but, and the arrow went Stuck back in her into head. her head. And it did no damage Meanwhile, whatsoever. The bullets, although the bullets do seem to be magnetically drawn to her nipple armour. Yeah, right, bullets are flying now. She's now caught in the crossfire between the old uh, the ranger guy and the old general guy. She, so she's being hit. Pummeled. I don't know, maybe maybe the whole film was was about being alienated. She's alienated. She is alienated. She just wants to be their friend. And they're shooting at her. So she is the, she is the alienated. She is the alienated. Not the alienator. No. She's the alienated. And then, oh, look, look, this is it. Yeah! Yes! Yes! Look, Colonel! The Nets created a perpendicular magnetic pole! It's siphoning off her electrons in alignment with the Earth's axis! Wow. Yeah, well, I mean, I'm speechless, Matthew. It's siphoning off her neutrons in line with the Earth's <laughs> axis. 
I wonder if that was to excuse the fact that they've just got a well, quite obviously an overlaid one of those balls you used to get at the fantasy store. Uh, yes, yeah, 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 yeah. Like a, a kinetic energy type thing. Look, General, it's siphon off for a new chance <laughs> in line with the Earth's axis. How would they? How would he know? He wouldn't know. He wouldn't know that. No. So she's incapacitated, right? She is neutronless now. I'm confused because I don't know how to feel right now because. Cole's the obvious villain in this situation. Now, I've decided that the alienator... But he didn't stroke a fucking deer, did he? No, but he threw uh, space slugs in someone's face, and that was unpleasant. He's forced three guards to jump off of a perfectly good gantry. So I'm going to... Spoiler alert at this point, in case you are, for some bizarre reason, considering watching this film. (laughs) No, I think everyone should watch this film, just to be aware that... So maybe maybe go off watch the film, then listen to the, the end of the podcast as we as the twist. I, I feel it's, I feel like I've forgotten the twist. You might have to just remind me the twist. It's because it's he's an asshole. He, he he moves himself into drunk asshole's body. Right. Do you can only jump into other assholes? Or so Carl took Scooby Doo guy, thirty five year old jock, yeah, to one side, and and actually it looks as if he's managed to in, infiltrate his body. Just jumped into it. I don't know where his body went. No, no, I don't know that we know. Well, actually, no, because... No, we do see it later. Well, no, that's his head. It's kind of morphed. It's hard to explain. <laughs> so the, the upshot is, it turns out that um, Cal was a dick. Yeah. And uh, everything that we've, we took for granted up until this point is just instantly thrown to one side. Jean-Michael Vincent was right. Yeah. Should have killed him. The alienator was right. Should have, apart from about the doctor, we still there's no reason to kill the doctor. There was nothing. There was no reason for that. But I can understand but, why she killed the Hicks because they were fucking annoying. But, <laughs> uh, but at least for the fonts, it must have come up that the doctor was hostile. Yes, if she yeah yeah, <laughs> yeah. one of those uh, comic sans or Hell comic Victor sans or, or something <laughs> would have said yeah. hostile. The fonts don't lie. I have to say, there's no more holes in this than there was in. Um, Prometheus. <laughs> right. Well, if you're going to compare Prometheus to this, yeah, absolutely. I don't know. I would probably watch Prometheus again First? if I had to. <laughs> well, because obviously it's it's infinitely prettier to look at. But in terms of plot-wise, yeah, absolutely. There's not a great deal of difference. Uh, nothing makes sense. So, uh, yeah, we, we get this showdown situation. Oh, he starts speaking in Cal's voice, so it, it no longer becomes... Oh, there's some crappy dubbing. So Carl is... is Carl. Is, Carl is trying to Carl. kill him. He's trying to shoot. He shot the... Um, but then his gun doesn't work. And Geeky Guy saves the day. He goes in for a... If only Geeky Guy had some more chicken wire. I don't think chicken wire works on Cole. Oh, man. Chicken wire works on everything. But they're just watching this situation. So there's a punch-up now. And then the old general guy's come back on the scene. He's had a slash. <laughs> <laughs> I'm fairly certain that's where he said he was going. I think he did, yes. Um, and they're just watching on as uh, Geeky Guy's being pummeled by... Um, a man with a gun. Yeah. And here we have... The reveal. Boom. Okay, so Alienator's back on the scene has has managed to chop the head off. And and now I think the, the, the Alienator has reported in to the prison planet that he is dead. And they're like, and she's like, can I go home now? And they're like, no. Again, we they, we we start feeling for the alienator. Okay, then there's another twist. The uh, the auditor, the, the auditor appears to be Cole's dad. Yeah. I mean, and that doesn't make sense. And obviously, he's now shot. Especially because they're, like, they're about two years apart in age. From yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> he's hearing the news on the on the uh, prison planet that Cole's been beheaded and exterminated how does the fight start I remember that there's an ending scene with the fight and then there's a 
a lightsaber? Well, he's got a pen. I think it goes to sign the report at the end to say the audit's done. But then the pen... Killed son. Tick. Yeah, yeah, then the pen just sort of turns into a yellow lightsaber. Uh, And then they have a big fight. And then I don't even remember how it ends. I can't remember. I thought it had ended already. See, so it turns out that the Rebellion were assholes and they killed thousands of innocent students. We never see the deer again, do we? We never know what happened to the deer. I think it went on to um, star in Dunkirk. To be fair, I mean, they they kept the film to a very standard one hour and 30 minutes. Yeah, it's a really easy watch in terms of time scales. <laughs> <sighs> I mean, if there's one thing I can laud this film for, it is timekeeping. It's a verdict time, then. I think once you've read the plot synopsis and you, the, the opening crawl, that's it. You don't actually have to watch the film because you, you, the only thing you're getting from the film... I think is... No, you need to watch the plot synopsis, the opening credits, and in the last ten minutes. The last ten minutes, I think, bring it all together. Because everything else in between is dog shit. (laughs) (laughs) The whole point of this podcast, I think, is to look at films with a slightly objective view as well. I'd say, okay, some films are critically panned. I'm hoping that, you know, occasionally we'll come across a diamond in the rough. Exactly. And sometimes you think, okay, give it another chance. Or there's, there's redeeming features in everything. If we can find nuggets of gold in this in the turgidness of these films, then I think that's great. I think it's a great choice for a first film, Matthew. Does this film have any redeeming features for you? No, <laughs> no, no, um, no. There's there's nothing for me here. You mentioned it earlier on. There's no likable characters. There is film. no likable characters. No, it would have been an interesting twist had you gone on that journey and believed it. Watching the film, you get nothing back. We got shitty special effects, okay? Awful. Um, Inconsistent. For a 1990s film, okay, which is unforgivable. We've got shitty dialogue. Sorry for the swearing. We've got crappy acting. We've got no talent on screen whatsoever. There's no even standout performance. Sometimes you get, okay, it's a bad film, but so and so actually has, you know, is the only one keeping it afloat or whatever, and you watch it just because it's a tempo film and there's an actor or an actress you, you quite physically like. You physically like. Hello, mate. You quite like. Those are the sort of things you think, ah, oh, this is a really crap film, but it's got so and so in it, and I really like him, and so you'll watch it anyway. Well, I, I like used to like John. This, this, this film's actually made me dislike John Michael oh, well, Vincent. He, he needed the money, clearly. Um, How much money could he well, have got maybe, from this? Well, he must have been drunk then. Yeah. Okay, so we've got, we got nothing redeemable there. The, the only thing I can think of is this might eventually happen with this film is it actually might become quite fond of it because it's the first film that we're reviewing and we might think, oh, let's watch The Alienator <laughs> again. <laughs> it's so much better than, like I don't a, know, like Showgirls. <laughs> <laughs> we'll take uh, take the place of uh, yeah. It's a wonderful life. Each year we'll come together on this special day. Yeah, and, and watch the well, alienator. It's the, it's the 24th of January, so it's officially Alienator Day. Alienator Day. So I think we well, I think we can unanimously agree that this is the, the turkey, right? It's it's awful. So don't bother with the alienator unless you've you're you know like a sicko. Um, but yeah that's the first movie bunker podcast out the way and I don't know about you Matthew but I thoroughly enjoyed it I had fun yeah and a great film to start the ball rolling with so the the thought process behind this is I think we'll take it in turns to uh, choose films to watch for the next episode so it's my turn and I've done some research and we're going to do Tank Girl I I have to admit I was initially surprised 
with your choice because you know it's one of those films that you, I think you remember it to be good. Yeah, but we'll see. So thanks for listening. There'll be stuff on social media if you want to follow us. If you want to comment or give us some ideas of films to watch in the future, that would be amazing. Thank you for listening, and see you next time. Bye.